all these testimonies reminds me that I, I was talking to a man and, and um, he said, you know, I, I asked him what he thought and he said, it doesn't matter what I think. How many of you realize that what you think is all important? You know, what you think could either make you or destroy you. Marcus uh, Arulis said, a man's life is what his thoughts make it. You are what you think. Someone else said, you are what you, what other, you are what you think other people think you are. You begin to be what you think other people expect you to be. Thoughts are very important. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, a man is what he thinks about all day long. You're, if you think that you're a sinner and you think you can't do anything for Jesus Christ, there's a good chance you won't. We are what we think. And our thought patterns need to be taken care of by the Word of God. That's why we're told to meditate on the Word. That's why we're told to read the Word. That's why we study to show ourselves approved, workmen that need not to be ashamed. We need to hide that Word in our heart that we might not sin against God, right? You become what you uh, allow yourself to think even when you don't think so. It's important. And I think Proverbs 23.7, which I've chosen for my text tonight, says, As he thinks, thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, that's, that's what you are. That's the way you are. I didn't say it, God said it. God said what you think in your heart, that's what you are. Let's go to Genesis 17, 17. Genesis 17, 17. It says, then Abraham, well, let's start with verse 16, uh, 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for uh, Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of peoples, shall be from her. 
Then Abraham fell on his face and did what? You know, in the Bible, it also says that Abraham was justified by faith. <laughs> How many of you see faith right there? God said, Abraham, I'm going to change your wife's name, and I'm going to give you a son through this woman. Now, he was looking on outward appearances. <laughs> He's 100 years old. His wife, well past the age of bearing children, I believe she was 80 or something like that. 90? 90? Okay. And it says he laughed. Why did he laugh? Listen, it says, and said in his heart. See, this is what he believed. This is what he thought. This is what was down in his heart. And he said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? You, you see, what we think will depend on what we do. If I don't believe God is going to do anything, then I'm not going to act in that direction. For instance, God said, I'll be with you. He told us to, that we're to be witnesses unto him. But if I go out on the street... And I begin to, uh, to think, well, you know, I begin to look at situations. This one over here, sitting there in a drunken stupor with tobacco juice running down his chin in this terrible-looking outfit, I'm not going to witness to him because beyond salvation. God can't do anything with him. God can save anyone. Anyone. And we need to act on what God says, not on what we think. <coughs> the problem is, we begin to lean on our own understanding, as it says over in Proverbs 3, 5. Lean on that gray matter, Charlie. Isn't it true? I get all caught up in my intellectual thinking. But did you know, in Indonesia, how many's read like a mighty wind? In Indonesia, those people, they didn't have a lot of intellectual-ism, I guess that's what the word I want. 
And they began to go out and just because God's word said it, they went out and did it because they didn't know any better. They were just dumb enough that when God says that he raises the dead, they went out and raised the dead. Read the book. Tremendous revival that took place in Indonesia. They had so many people coming and getting saved that they didn't have churches enough to church them all. Just because people acted on the word of God. They didn't stop and say, well, <laughs> can't happen. Impossible. If God wor God's word says it, let's do it. Amen? <clears throat> you see, the problem is my mind is finite. It's little. And my thoughts, God's thoughts are so much higher than mine. Amen? He's infinite. He has all knowledge. He has all power, all strength. He knows the beginning from the end. He wrote the book. Amen? And in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. <laughs> Boy, that'll put you down, won't it? The more education you get sometimes, the harder it is for you to exercise faith. I think I was better off before I knew all the theology and stuff. If I just act on simple faith. I remember this little boy, right after I first got saved, and I've told you about it before, that shot himself through the hand. I think of that many times. I was just dumb enough to, to walk over there and tell her, hey, God can heal it. I know we, we, we cut uh, young Christians down because they're, they, they're so zealous. Well, praise God, let's get some of that zealous spirit back in us. I mean, if God can do it, let us tell people God can do it. If you don't believe God can do it, then all right, just sit there. But I believe God is still in the business of healing. I believe God is still on the throne. I believe God can still save souls. I believe God is able. Hallelujah. You know, just because I don't understand everything doesn't make it any less true. Do you know that? There's a lot of things in this world I don't understand. I don't understand why God loves me the way he does. I can't understand why God would choose me to lead a church as, as great as this church. I can't. 
Why did he place me here in Seneca Falls? I don't understand it, but I'm glad he did. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, what we think has to be based on what God says. We need to get back to the Word. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to react to the Word. Hallelujah. Look at Genesis 27 and verse 41. Twenty-seven, verse forty-one. Here's a guy that his brother just cheated him out of everything. So Esau, it says, hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand then I will kill my brother, Jacob. Where did he say it? In his heart. Revenge. Get even. You know, that's the world's way of thinking, isn't it? I don't believe that that ought to be a part of Christianity. Get even with someone. You know, if anyone should have wanted to get even, it should have been Stephen when they were stoning him or when Jesus was hanging on the cross. But what did they say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we've got to live that kind of life because if you forgive, then you're forgiven. And so... Many times, things will come up, even in Christian circles. And people begin to hold little petty grudges. Praise God, we don't, we don't need it, we don't want it. Amen? Amen. And... Uh, Jesus said, out of the heart proceeds the evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. That's coming right out of the heart. Right out of the heart. And it depends on what you've been putting into your mind, what's in your heart. We live in a day of technology. Thank God for technology. Some of it's great. I think uh, some of the things that they can do with a computer these days is fantastic. Right, George? I was looking at a computer down there at the, at the, uh, uh, at the council. 
and they had everything on that computer so that the uh, pastor could go up and push a couple of buttons, and he had everybody in his congregation, where they lived, who their children was, when their birthdays was. Uh, he had every information that a pastor needs right at his fingertips. Fantastic. Go up and push another button, and he knew what, what uh, sermons he'd preached over the last year. Push another button, and uh, he, had, uh, uh, he had his visitation list all made up. He could, he could push a button and, and, and have a pie graph that showed where, where, uh, how much money came in and where it was spent at. How it was spent. Fantastic things they can do. I think that uh, this VCR that we have for the church that the women are going to use tomorrow night to put something on there that we need to see. I think that's great. But I want to tell you, you can misuse or misuse technology. And what I'm going to say is not going to go over very big with some people. But it's true. There's Christians today that in their homes, they are watching things that should not be watched. They're listening to things that they should not listen to. You go to one of these video stores, and most of the things that you buy, you rent from those video stores is garbage. And you're putting it into your mind, it's going down into your heart, and eventually it'll come out in your life. Adultery, fornication, theft, murder. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence. We need to guard our heart because Christ gave us a new heart. When you came to Jesus Christ, old things passed away, behold, all things became new, and the first thing you know, if you don't guard your heart with all diligence, the world will begin to creep back into your heart. And you'll be right back where you were. God calls for holiness. Except you be holy, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you, there's some bad thinking going on in church circles today. There's young people that say it's all right to dance. It's all right to go to, to bars. It's all right to dance. It's all right to go to these school functions that aren't right. It's all right to cuddle up in the back seat of a car. 
It's all right to go to movies. If I hit anybody where it hurts, just say, ouch. <laughs> Hallelujah. Still love me? Yeah. Hallelujah. Paul said in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on good things. Think on the Word of God. Think on those things that are true and honest and pure. You begin to think on these ungodly things, and the first thing you know, you're going to have these ungodly things being manifested in your life and in the church, and the church is going to have a bad reputation, and Jesus is going to be brought down because of what you're doing. You know, I guess the reason we don't hear more holiness preaching these days is because it doesn't really fill a church up. Do you know that? Most people don't want to hear it. Well, I'd rather have 50 people that were sold out for Jesus Christ than a church full of 1,000 or 1,500 that didn't believe in anything. Hallelujah. We're not to harbor hatred or unforgiveness or lust or fear. 1 John 3, 15 says, Whosoever hates his brother is what? Is a murderer. The only difference between you and, and the one who actually does it is you haven't had the opportunity. We've got to love our brothers. We've got to love our sisters. We've got to have unforgiveness. Well, I mean, we've got to have forgiveness, not unforgiveness. Forgiveness. Hallelujah. I want to take a look at another one over in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 27. First Samuel 27, verse 1. David said, where? In his heart. How shall I, now shall I perish someday by the hand of Saul? There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. You know what happened to David? He went to the land of the Philistines, and he got in a lot of problems there. In fact, he uh, was caught, and uh, they, they said, isn't this David? 
And, and he, he, made, he played the fool. You remember? Spittle coming out of, his, out of his mouth and acted like a fool. Let me ask you something. Did God send Sam, uh, Samuel to anoint David? He did, didn't he? Didn't God choose David out of all the sons of Jesse? Didn't God deliver him when he stood up against this giant of a man, Goliath? You know, it, it just kind of hits me kind of funny, kind of strange, that, man, that David could stand up to a man like Goliath and run before a man uh, uh, like Saul. And what was the difference? Heart attitude. Heart attitude. You can only stand as long as you say in your heart, God, with God all things are possible. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. See, these are the kind of things you want to put down in your heart. You don't want to put this other garbage down in your heart. Oh, he might hurt me. And begin to think on those things. We live in a day where I might get hurt going out on the street witnessing. Do you believe in God's protection? I believe that I'm in God's holy protection. And even if they kill me, God's going to take me home. So what can man do to me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Over in Hebrews 12.1, it talks about this great host of witnesses and, and a sin that so easily besets us. I think I've told this church many times, and I'm going to tell you again. I believe, with all my heart, I believe that that sin that so easily besets every one of us is doubt. Doubt. As long as you are in faith, as long as you have faith in Jesus Christ and in the power of Almighty God, you can do the thing that God tells you to do. But when you begin to doubt, you let doubts creep in. Am I really the Son of God? Am I saved? Am I really a Christian? And you begin to let these doubts creep in. Do I really have power to get rid of those terrible habits. Hey, you're only going to have what you can get by faith.
You've got power. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. Go ye therefore. See, he has given us the power. And David let doubt creep in. He doubted his ability. In fact, he doubted God. He doubted that God was able to keep him secure if he stayed in Israel. I mean, after all, Saul was after him. Saul wanted to do him in. I could tell you another one, Elijah. <laughs> he, let the, he let that wicked old queen, Jezebel, run him off. Ran way out into the desert and fell down under a, uh, under a broom tree out there and said, God, take my, take my life. The same one who stood up to the prophets of Baal, the same one that called down fire from heaven. Hey, we're as strong in the Lord as we will believe we are. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Amen? You can't see it. It hasn't been made manifest yet, but you've got to believe it. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Never doubt your salvation. I'm telling you, the enemy of your soul would like that. He'd love that. The first little mistake you make, he's going to point his old bony finger at you and tell you you're not saved. Instead of getting down and, 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 and crawling in the dirt, crawl to the feet of the cross and, and begin to confess your sins. And it says if you'll confess your sins that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just pick yourself up and begin to go again in the power of Almighty God. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's only when you get into listening to your own heart instead of listening to the Spirit. <clears throat> I, I want to tell you something. I believe in the keeping power of Jesus Christ. I remember when I went up for my license, they said, uh, what do you think about eternal salvation? I said, I'm just as eternally secure as I am in Jesus Christ. As long as I stay in Jesus, I'm secure. Amen. He's my security. But if I walk out on Jesus, it's not Jesus' fault. <coughs> One more example, and then we're going to wind it down. First Kings. First Kings, chapter 12. Verse 26.
And Jeroboam said to his heart, said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of, Jerobo uh, king of Judah. Therefore the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O, o Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people, went to worship before the one as far as Dan. You know, this was a stumbling block to Israel all the time, continually, throughout their existence. From the time Jeroboam came into being and he took the northern ten tribes, it was a stumbling block and eventually their downfall. Why? Because one man was jealous. One man. If you were to go back to King, 1 Kings 11, verse 29, you'll find that uh, Jeroboam, he met a, a prophet by the name of Ahijah, uh, a Shulamite, and he was clothed in new gar uh, with a new garment. And he took and he said, uh, tear this into pieces. And he told him, take ten pieces. And he said, I'll leave one for Rehoboam. He said, God is going to give you ten tribes out of Israel. God is going to give you ten tribes out of Israel. God told him that. I'm going to give you ten tribes out of Israel. And as soon as he gets those ten tribes, he says, oh, it's too much. If they go to Jerusalem, then they're, then they're going to go back to Rehoboam. If God gave it to you, then don't worry about keeping it. It's yours. You know, we try to hang on to things that we got no right to hang on to sometimes. But if God said, that's yours, keep it. But you know, if you got something and you don't know whether it's yours or not, a word of wisdom I heard one time, it says, let it go, and if it comes back to you, then it's yours. If it doesn't come back, it was never yours to begin with. That's good, good advice to you young people, especially when you're choosing a mate. Jealousy, terrible thing. Terrible thing. Murders and 
All kinds of things are caused over jealousy. There's no room for jealousy in a church either. So and so has got a job, and they think that they're so. You, you've heard all the talk before, right? I'm glad it doesn't go on in this church. We don't need jealousy in this church. God places us where he wants us. And God gives us the ability, and if God wants us to step down, he'll tell us. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> in Luke 12, 41, and that's the last verse I'm going to look at. All right? Luke 12, 41. Hallelujah. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is this faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant, now there's a but, but if that servant says in his heart, there you are again in the heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the men's servant and the maid servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, shoot up drugs, loose lifestyle, begins to live like everybody else in the world, those that are unsaved. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he is not aware and cut, uh, will cut him in two and appoint him a portion with the unbelievers. He was a believer. He was a believer. Can a believer be lost? Uh-huh. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. I didn't say it, Jesus did. But he who did not know, yet committed things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few. In other words, they were, it depends on whether you're living up to what you know is right or not. For everyone to whom much is given, for him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. What has been committed to us? Go ahead. The ministry of reconciliation. The gospel message. 
The gospel message has been committed to us. And we're to go out and be witnesses for Jesus Christ. What do you think is going to happen if we're not caught doing that which he has called us to do? All we got to do is say in our heart, well, <laughs> I, uh, he, he's gonna, it's going to be a while yet. Uh, I don't have time. Uh, I'm too busy. The first thing you know, you're going to get caught. I believe we need to get ready. I believe Jesus is coming. I believe he's coming for a church without spot and without wrinkle. Are you ready should Jesus come tonight? That's the question. Are you ready? Or is there something that you still need to confess? Is there something you need to repent of? Is there something you need to put under the blood of Jesus? I'm glad that I'm not the judge. Amen? I'm glad that Jesus is going to be the judge. I think that a lot of them that we thought was going to be there is not going to make it. And I think that some of them that we thought was going to be there are not going to make it either. Some of them that we thought no possibility of them ever being there is going to be there. It depends on what's in your heart. I'm going to ask you in closing, would you search your heart? Would you just take a few minutes and search your heart? Would you just bow your head right there in the, in, in the pew where you're at? Would you just take time to ask God? Ask God. Now maybe there's someone here tonight, I don't know, that has never asked Jesus into their heart. That's a possibility. And if you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, I want to tell you, you're not ready. You need to listen to me, girls. This is a serious time. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about everlasting life. I'm talking about the hereafter. Are you ready? This is not something that's very funny. This is something that is very serious. 
If Jesus comes tonight, are you going to go with Jesus or are you on, bound for hell? Now, by chance, that the, uh, someone here has never accepted Jesus, we know where you're going unless you change your ways. Is there anyone here tonight that would like to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? and know that they have eternal life. Now is your opportunity. You know, the Bible says, my spirit will not always strive with man. There's a time coming when God will say, all right, you want to you wanna go your way, go ahead. I... Uh, I hope you'll excuse me, but I, I just have a real burden on my heart tonight that there's someone here. There's someone here tonight. And God wants you to give your life over to him.